Living the life of a professional artist can seem romantic and thrilling. And while it's true that in many ways it is, it can also be a life filled with challenges and complexities that often feel heavy and discouraging. Join us for Outset, a podcast dedicated to helping fledgling artists develop a healthy, creative approach to their art and careers. Welcome to Outset, a conversation for the developing artist. What is your purpose as an artist? Not just what awards or recognitions do you hope to achieve, but at a deeper level, what is your purpose? With that question answered, consider your response to this second question. Does poor mental health interfere with my ability to fully realize this purpose? And if you're being honest, if all of us are being honest, the answer to that is yes, at one time or another, poor mental health does interfere with my ability to fulfill my purpose as an artist. Join us for our next Outset Conversation, where we will discuss ideas and strategies concerning how to cope with and prevent poor mental health so you, as an artist, can more fully live your artistic purpose. All right. Welcome back to Outset. Uh, Emily, uh, recently at the college you teach at, uh, you guys did something pretty interesting. You did a clinic (laughs) about mental health (laughs) and musicians. (laughs) Uh, Right, right. You know, Scott, we we have noticed at our school, and I'm sure that other instructors at other schools see this too, but an increase of students who are struggling with poor mental health. And we just felt like because of the numbers – the high, high numbers of students who are dealing with poor mental health, that it would be wise for us to just kind of pause for a second, take a break from some of our normal classes, just get together as a student body and just have a very honest and very real conversation about this, about poor mental health and how to deal with it, strategies for coping and preventing it. And I have to say, it was for me sitting in that room and having this conversation, very honest conversation with so many students, it was really powerful. Um... And, and I felt like it was also very productive. So I'm really happy that we're going to be talking about this topic today um, with the hope, right, that our listeners will also get quite a bit out of this. Absolutely. And I think it's really important on the outset of this to destigmatize this. Um, you know, when we say the words mental health, we think, you know, these dramatic moments of insanity. We think schizophrenia. Sure. We think these really horrible things. And certainly that is a, a, a part of mental health Um Um, that's tragic, but we're talking about some pretty basic stuff here for most musicians. Um, It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of self-loathing that we feel. There's a lot of self-hatred that we feel. There's a lot of fear and anxiety, performance anxiety. There's anxiety about, am I good enough to do this? Um, What other things are you seeing that can help us destigmatize that? Because I think we need to do that. Right. Well, I think you're absolutely correct that when we talk about um, poor mental health, we're umbrella, you know, that umbrellas so many different things. And you're correct. It does include some of these words we often hear about when when the topic of mental illness comes up, like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, um, depression. But it's not exclusive to that, right? It also includes things like just excessive stress, poor self-esteem, narcissism, <laughs> perfectionism, right? A lot of these um, other, a lot of these other conditions are certainly a part of poor mental health. Um, and so, yeah, I think that for artists, we are prone for a number of reasons to poor mental health. And so, I think it's very healthy and responsible for us as artists to talk about it and to develop a mature understanding of it. I do want to say just at the beginning here that to our listeners, that Scott and I are professional artists, (laughs) not 
medical professionals. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? Um, so if you are someone listening to this, and we hope that this will be a helpful conversation for you, but if you're listening to this and you know that you have unmanageable pain or that you've noticed a pattern of suffering in your life and you can't seem to get out of it day after day, um, and for that matter, even if you're wondering if your mental struggles are severe enough that you should seek professional help, you should. You really, really should get in contact with a professional. It is the responsible thing to do. Um, And there's so many resources now available to help people who are struggling with poor mental health that it really is just the wise decision to reach out and get some help. So let's maybe first of all just mention some of those, okay? Um, First of all, we want to make sure that our listeners are very mindful that you can text 741 741. That is the crisis text line. Did you want to say anything about that, Scott? You know, it's an amazing, amazing organization um, uh, that that has uh, counselors available 24-7 nationwide. And the help that they're providing is amazing. Um, it's obviously anonymous in that you're just typing to somebody, you know what I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, back and forth. And I mean, if you were in an acute stage, a situation where you're really struggling, you're maybe having, you know, difficulty processing your thoughts, um, including even everything as far as suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to reach out to somebody and these people can help. And I've noticed that there are some people, and you know what, sometimes maybe I'm this way too, where there might be certain feelings that you are dealing with and it, it simply feels more comfortable to text and write about it than to actually say it. And so, you know, if that is something that describes you, this is a really great resource then because you can just simply text your concern, your problem, what's going on, and there will be someone there ready to respond and help. Um, also, let's just make all of our listeners very aware of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which the number for that is 1-800-273-8255. Two seven three eight two five five, and maybe lastly, I'll just say again that if you're listening to this and you're just wondering if you know I, I don't feel suicidal, but I know I don't feel happy. I'm not sure I qualify for help. If if you're in that position, just get some help. Meet with a trained medical professional. Get with your PCP. <laughs> talk about what maybe some treatment or options are for you. Get in with a counselor, a therapist. Um, and get some help. Get some help. And many of uh, of uh, our younger listeners who are perhaps in college mm-hmm. that are pursuing an artistic career, um, every college in the country has uh, has health services available. Absolutely. Um, uh, for for their students. So please look into that. We would encourage you to do that. We want to see you be great artists, and um, and your mental health is a part of that. Absolutely. Now, with that being said, we are going to talk today a little bit, right, Um, share some experiences maybe and just share some things we've learned and observed over the years. And I think that right now we're going to focus our thoughts on on a subject that will be very familiar to, I think, to all artists, and that is the topic of anxiety. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, And I just want to share with you, first of all, three main things that medical professionals um will tell you cause anxiety, okay? And as you listen to these three things, just consider how this might be um, problematic for artists. (laughs) Applicable to us. (laughs) Yes, right? It's kind of the nature of what we do when you hear these things. Okay, so number one, being in front of people, 
right? Um, either standing in front of people or talking or presenting in front of people or even just having your work, something you've made in front of people. Okay, so of course that applies to all artists. We do that constantly. Number two, making decisions. Again, that is so descriptive of the life of an artist, right? That's what we do from moment to moment. We're making decisions about our art, how to make it, how to present it, how to share it, how to sell it. It's just constantly big decisions. And number three, changes. Changes in relationships, changes in living conditions, um, any, any kind of change, right? Changes can cause anxiety. And again, as you think about the lifestyle of an artist, truly it's a life of changes. It absolutely is. Um, uh, Historically, artists haven't been known for being incredibly stable. <laughs> and I, I might be one of those. Um, and so, so yeah, you are continually faced with changes. How are you going, how are you going to eat? Uh, you know, oh no, your housing situation changed. How do you keep making art during that? You no longer have a place to work. There's, there's just a million changes that are going through. Sure. And as you work on one project and then you see it to completion, then you're in a position where you're ready to start a new one. And that brings in a whole bunch of changes. It changes the people you're around. It changes sometimes even the the specific work environment that you are in. And so certainly artists deal with this on a regular basis where they work on one piece or one project. Um, and that invites a certain way of living for a time. And once that project is over, another one starts and there's a lot of changes again, right? So these three things, being in front of people, making decisions and dealing with changes, all three of those things we know can be triggers for anxiety. And my goodness, we just described the lifestyle of an artist, right? So of course we are prone to this. We are prone to anxiety, no doubt. And those who are listening certainly know what anxiety feels like, right? Scott, maybe you have an idea of what that feels like. I know I felt it before. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, there's there's the quickening of the heart. The You know, your, sure. your blood pressure goes up. Your breathing gets shallow. You get sweaty palms. Your brain starts to leave you. You can't remember what you know, the first chord of the second verse is, <laughs> um, you know. It does affect concentration, it right? Does. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. Um, yeah, you're describing, I think, what probably a lot of people would, would also say when they describe anxiety, but um, certainly it includes, like you said, restlessness, difficulty, concentrating, muscle tension, um, trouble with sleeping, the feeling of fear, um, sometimes even really dramatic, right? Where it feels like impending doom is right. coming and approaching. You mentioned some physiological changes, mm-hmm. the faster heart rate, the shallow breathing. Um, sometimes we feel it just in trembling too, right? You feel kind of shaky. And of course that's problematic for a number of artists who have to have very focused, um, yeah. controlled hands. Um, choking, panic attacks. I mean, it just includes so many of these things that sound miserable, right? As I describe all of this, none of this sounds comfortable. It's a very, very unpleasant feeling. And so, of course, we want to talk today about when anxiety hits. For you as an artist, how can you deal with that? How can you cope with it? And maybe how can you prevent some of it from coming on, if possible, right? For you, Scott, in the past, when you have felt anxiety, what has seemed to be an effective coping mechanism? And let me just say, first of all, right, um, that we all know there's not just one way. There's not just one, this is what you do every single time and it will work. That's not true. It's, I think, very healthy to have a number of strategies and go through as many of them as you need to, right, until you start to feel a little bit of um, comfort in what you're feeling. But certainly we want to know, 
several options, yeah. right? So for you, what are, what are some things that have worked? Well, first, I mean, obviously, um, I, I am a multidisciplinarian. I deal with visual art. I deal with um, audio, being a record producer and a mixer. And I deal with performance anxiety as well, being a, a, a guitarist. And and so I, I'm really intimately familiar with anxiety. Um, it's not my best friend, but I know it quite well. Um, I think one of the ways that I experienced it most dramatically was with stage fright. Mm-hmm. And learning how to manage that, literally being able to walk on stage and control that so that I could um, present my art in the best light that I possibly could um, was really, really important. And and one thing that I think is very important to recognize is that, yes, in that moment, I was terrified. I am terrified. But the sun will come up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The the penalty for me not being as good as I, I hope really is not as dramatic as I think. And I think we have a tendency to build those penalties up into something that's that's really dooming, that's mm-hmm. going to shatter your world, and it's not the truth. Sure. Um, if you think about it, a soldier going into battle or a skydiver jumping out of an airplane, they have a certain physiological response to what they're about to experience or what they are experiencing. They experience a raising, <laughs> raising in blood pressure, sweaty palms, yeah. brain doesn't work real well. Right. Um, these are literally a physiological response to stress and completely valid and normal because they're under stress. Those are the same things we experience when we walk on stage. Mm-hmm. That's the same weight. Obviously, somebody who's going into battle and there are bullets whizzing Mm -hmm. past their head, the penalty for failure is a lot higher there. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yeah. It's death, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jumping out of an airplane, if you don't do that right, you know, you can fall a long ways. (laughs) (laughs) Dramatic consequences, no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, and and for us, the sun will come up tomorrow, um, even though it doesn't seem like it. So I think being able to put things in perspective is really, really important. Um, I also feel, uh, that one of the things that has helped me is studying meditation and mindfulness. And I know that's something that everybody talks about nowadays. That's the fix, you know, the fix all for everything. Um, I'm not one of those people, but it has actually helped me. I, I recently experienced stage fright. I had to speak at the Texas Music Educators Association conference down in San Antonio this year. And I was well prepared for it. I knew my topic, but it was outside of what I'm used to. If Mm -hmm. I was in front of a a group of musicians talking about mixing or something like that, that's super easy. But I'm I'm talking about live sound in front of a group of instructors. Yeah. Live sound's not really my thing, so I was pretty nervous. So before I walked in, I went into the bathroom, (laughs) sat in the stall by myself for five minutes, and I have a breathing exercise that what I do is just an inhalation and I focus on the musculature in my stomach, in my belly, my lower abdomen, and I feel it breathe in and breathe out. And that's all I try to focus on is that feeling of those muscles expanding and contracting. And it really helps center me and stop my brain from binging because my brain has a tendency to fire off in a million directions thinking about all the terrible things that'll happen if I... I'm not good at this presentation. Sure. And it really helped center me, and I was able to go in and give a decent 
well, at least what I think was a decent presentation. You know, it's interesting that when we start to feel anxiety, one of the things that's affected first is our breathing, you know, and we start to do this shallow breathing. And I guess what's nice about that is that breathing is something we can control. You know, the second you think about it, you really can start to control it the way you want to. And so I've heard a lot of people talk before about breathing exercises that are helpful to them. The one you've described, I think, um, is really useful to Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Um, you know, I studied meditation for a time and when, when you do that, you of course learn different ideas about breathing. And one that has been helpful for me is what's called the one minute breath where you breathe in for 20 seconds, hold it for 20 and breathe out for 20. Now, I don't think that if you are coming into this without any breathing exercise experience, that that might be really difficult to do, right? Yeah, but but you 20 can seconds start. is a long time. <laughs> it is a really long time the first time you try it. But, I mean, you might be able to start with five. Breathe yeah. in for five, hold it for five, release it for five. And, and just taking a full breath is enough sometimes to kind of regulate your heart, um, normalize it a bit, right? Bring your blood pressure down. Just start to feel a little bit calmer inside. And bring some clarity of thought, like you were saying, right? Sometimes when Absolutely. you feel anxiety, your thoughts kind of go all over, it feels disorganized. It feels chaotic. And sometimes just that control of breath is enough to clear your mind a bit. I think it is as well. And sometimes um, uh, if I'm struggling a little beyond that, I'll even count my breaths. And mm-hmm. I'll count to five and then start over. So I might do an in-breath one, out-breath one. Yeah. Go through to five and then start over. So it doesn't become a competition of how many, <laughs> I got to a hundred, I'm going to be calm now because right. that doesn't work. <laughs> You're anxious about yeah, the number. Yes. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Um, um, and just, just for clarity too, for some listeners who may not know this, um, you know, shallow breathing, of course, is when you're really not filling your lungs to capacity or emptying them to capacity, right? And so when you take even just one full breath, it really can be quite a game changer in how you feel. But what I was taught that has been really helpful is if you're going to do a full breath, right? And maybe even try this right now, I'll do it as well. But you take a full breath in and then try to take another. And if you can still take another breath, right, it means your lungs aren't full, Right. So take your breath to what you think is full. Now see if you can take in more. A lot of times you can. A lot of times there's still a little bit of room in your lungs, even though you felt initially like it was full. It's not quite. And so you still can take another breath there, another breath. And then when you finally get to that point where you think, nope, (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Then you know you're full. And then to just release it fully. It really does change how you feel. So I'm not suggesting that that instantly gets rid of all anxiety, but it is enough to kind of slow down what's building. You know, it is enough to kind of organize your thoughts and to develop a certain calmness again. I also think when we're feeling anxiety in a more general sense, uh, you know, let's separate it from stage fright. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm worried about my career. I'm worried if I'm good enough, uh, all of those things. I think it's really important to reach out to a support system. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think it's really important to have a group, especially if you're an artist, another group of artists that you can go to that you can talk about these things. Um, Because we do face a unique set of circumstances in that we're always being judged, or at least we perceive Mm -hmm, that. You mm -hmm. know, people are listening to us, people are watching us, people are viewing our art and making a judgment call. Is this good or bad? Um, And that can be a difficult microscope to be under. Totally. And I think having other people that are under that same microscope is helpful. 
Yeah, I completely agree, right? Sometimes just reaching out and feeling that support system work for you or comfort you um, is enough to put things in perspective, is enough to, um, again, maybe just heal a little bit, right? Um, I do think also that as you talk about the, the circumstances that we're under as artists and that that can set us up for a lot of anxiety. It can be very difficult. That being said, it is really healing to be grateful and mindful of what is going well. And so I think journaling can be quite powerful, you know, just taking a second every day and just writing down a few things that actually are going well, a few things that you're grateful for. Sometimes that helps the perspective be more rounded and not just lean to the side of what's wrong or what am I afraid of, what's scary right now, but to help us, again, fill out that perspective where we're reminded some things are okay, some things are on track, some things are really good. And, and that's enough to also sometimes help the anxiety not become too crushing. Yeah. And I think it's also really important to recognize that sometimes, um, stress is what helps us grow. Yeah. Um, the fact that I didn't perform very, very well last Saturday night, it, it hurts, but that's sort of what pushes me to hopefully be better in the future, to maybe mm-hmm. prepare better. Maybe I didn't prepare <laughs> enough and that the stress was really my own dang fault because I was unprepared yeah. uh, for that particular performance and, and to learn to manage that better. I think when we look at a lot of this, it's tied to our ego. Oh, for sure. I, I agree. I agree with that completely. How am I going to look? What are people going to think of me? And we always want that to be glowing and positive at all times. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is most people want to like you and want to like what you do. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is completely non-scientific. This is observational (laughs) from my perspective only. But I think about 97% of the people out there, when they see you walk on stage or see your painting or whatever, actually want to like it, okay, or Mm -hmm. like you. I don't go to concerts going, I sure hope this sucks tonight. <laughs> I really hope they're lousy. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be uncomfortable, right? You want to enjoy it. You want them to succeed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you turn on TV and you come across a comedian and their first joke doesn't go so well and the second joke doesn't go so well. I change this channel. I don't want to watch somebody fail. I'm nervous. It yeah. makes me, it gives me anxiety. You know? right. So people go to things expecting to have a good time and wanting to have a good time. And so most audiences are pretty receptive, I think. So we have this uh, mental buildup that the audience is judging exactly what we're doing. Oh, uh, Emily's, you know, flat five substitution there (laughs) really wasn't that great of an idea. It could have been, you know, (laughs) right. Right. If she'd only done this, you know what I mean? And the truth is an audience doesn't think that way at all. 97% of them don't think that way at all. 3% of them are buttholes. (laughs) Right. You're never going to win them. They're always buttholes. They hate everything in life. Sure. Sure. give up on them. And most of those are unfortunately the other musicians or artists in the room, Um, but they got in free. So, (laughs) right. You know, when you're talking, it reminds me, I've had this conversation before with a lot of students where I'm not, I'm not sure there's a way to 100% kick stage fright. Um, but I have seen students overcome a lot of it if they can change their thinking based upon the very things you're talking about, right? Where when I ask a student, for example, when you're nervous on stage, why are you nervous? And undoubtedly, every time 
they answer that, their response has something to do with their ego, right? You yep. said the word ego, and, and of course, this is true. We, we have a lot of ego involved in our art. And so they're nervous because they want to look good. They want to sound good. They want to be liked. They want to be, you know, received really well. And if you can just stop thinking about yourself to the extent that you are in that moment, some of those nerves go away. Yeah. If you can start putting your thoughts more on the audience or if it's a collaborative work more on the other people, it, it's, I felt it in my own experience that your nerves do die down a little. I'm not saying they'll go away completely, but they do diminish. I think, yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing to think of the experience of the audience. My goal tonight is not to look like a genius. My goal is to help the people that are in the room enjoy this experience, mm -hmm. to have, mm -hmm. you know, a good time. Wow. How powerful is that? Right. Um, uh, and, and I think a lot of times being able to focus on others, I mean, just the truth of the matter is if we're focused on our own ego, we're being selfish. It's about self. Mm -hmm. If we're focused on others, that's very loving. Yeah. Love is an outward flow. Selfishness mm -hmm. is an inward flow. So I think being able to tap into that outward flow is really important. Absolutely. I think that it's probably true for a lot of artists, and, and I don't know, maybe you'll disagree with this, but I, I do think that a lot of performance art, um, for so many artists in the moment of performance, they do drop a certain percentage of what they're capable of. And it, it could be caused from a number of things. And, and mm -hmm. certainly stage fright or nervousness is one of those where it does, you know, drop again a certain percentage of what you're capable of. And so I've heard a lot of professional artists over the year talk about how preparing and preparing and over-preparing and over-preparing yeah. can be quite beneficial, right? Because you want to become the kind of performer that when you're by yourself and you hear what you're capable of in that very safe, comfortable environment, when that level is, is really high, when you take that level and shave off 5%, or 10, 10 or 15, or, you know, I don't yeah. know, <laughs> right. a certain percentage, right, depending on what your anxiety might be, when you shave off that percentage, you're still comfortable with people getting that portion of you, right? And so you think about, well, how, what's my best? What's my best performance ability? Now, if I take off, let's say 10% of that, am I still comfortable with an audience receiving that? And if the answer is no, well, prepare a little more, right? And, practice, and practice a little more, advance is. a little yes. bit more so that when you actually do have that moment of sharing your art and, and likely a portion of your ability is diminished, you're still okay. You know, you still feel satisfied with what the audience got with what you gave. And I think if we go back to the military analogy uh, of when a soldier is going into battle, how do they prepare for that? They over-prepare. They drill it and drill it and drill mm -hmm. it so that when bullets start flying, you just go on autopilot. Um, I, at one point, was uh, touring with a band, and we had the opportunity to showcase for Warner Brothers. And it was a pretty big deal, and we were pretty nervous about it, obviously. Sure. Um, so we actually set about the process of over-preparing. And we took about two weeks um, and we would rehearse three to five hours a day, a 30-minute set. Mm -hmm. We would play it. We would videotape it. We would watch it. We would, we practiced the speaking. We literally practiced every single aspect. And when we were there in front of uh, these individuals, we went on autopilot and we did our jobs. And so I think, I think that concept of over-preparing is really important. I, I think if we are not prepared, 
then probably we have a different lesson to learn. <laughs> and maybe yeah. that anxiety is a part of that, that lesson. And I think all of us as artists have to learn that. We all know when we've done substandard work or mm-hmm. substandard preparation for the work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes a little piece of failure in the middle of that is a really good lesson. I know I've felt that thousands of times <laughs> in my career where I, I, right. thought, I thought I was well prepared and wasn't. Right, right. Yep. Preparing and preparing, right? I think it can make a difference, no doubt. Well, folks, we are so glad that you have joined us today for this conversation about a really, really important topic, the topic of mental health. And we hope that in some way it's been helpful. I think that we would like to emphasize one more time that, you know, if you are someone who is experiencing unmanageable pain or you have a pattern of pain that you just can't seem to overcome, definitely be responsible with that and get medical professional help, get um, tapped into the resources that are available to you. But again, thank you for joining us today. And Emily, I think it might be worth mentioning the the, uh, the hotlines one more time. Absolutely. Let me give these to you just one more time. The crisis text line is 741741. And the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, the number is one 800 273 8255. I'm going to say that one last time. 1-800-273-8255. We really hope that all of you listeners can enjoy good mental health and that that good mental health will allow you to fully realize and develop your artistic purpose. Thanks for sharing this conversation with us. We hope it helps with your journey. Live artfully. Outset is produced by Emily Wheeler and Scott Ferris, engineered by Christopher Reynolds, and recorded at the Amusement Park Recording Studio in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit OutsetPodcast.com.